How's it going, everybody? I hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. Welcome back for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer, and uh, we got a lot, a lot to actually get to. Uh, Everyone was in, everyone had some great games last week, some not so great games last week that we had, we started the week with five undefeated teams. We are now down to two. USF and BYU have held on to their undefeated status. Uh, BYU at 6-0, USF at 8-0. Gonzaga with two enormous games against Duke and then also UCLA. St. Mary's finishing as a finalist in the Maui Invitational. And then a number of interesting performances across the rest of the conference. So let's let's start to dive in into it and let's let's start right there with the two undefeateds the usf and byu and first we'll start off with byu they what came into the week four and oh and then had a a kind of a routine game for them against texas southern taking that very fairly easily but then had their big matchup with in-state rival utah on saturday night and this game kind of ended very much like what we saw this matchup be a year ago. BYU dominated the matchup a year ago, and BYU dominated the game against Utah. You had really, really good performances from, from the likes of Gavin Baxter and Caleb Lohner, who really kind of helped propel, Gonzaga, propel BYU in this game. Gavin Baxter had 14 points on seven to 10 shooting Caleb Lohner had 10 points, 12 rebounds. And I say these two and like, I know like 14 and 10 don't sound like terribly impressive, but Gonzaga held a four. I'm sorry. I keep saying Gonzaga BYU held a 45, 28 rebounding advantage against the Utes. And the BYU continues to impress and impress on the defensive end of the floor and we're going to get into a little bit more of just how good the top the top tier of the conference has been on the defensive end. A lot of times people think of these teams on the offensive side, but it really has been the defense that has propelled all these early, all the all of this early success. And then we have USF, and I and I feel like coming into this week, you could point to okay, they beat Nevada, they beat Davidson, but had they really beat anybody of real significance davidson is a top 80 team and nevada keeps slipping and slipping as it keeps losing the teams that maybe it shouldn't be losing to it obviously it lost the three straight to not only san diego but then santa clara then usf and then also had some of the, one of the more questionable uh, losses of the year when nevada uh, dropped dropped another game to San Diego, uh, not San Diego state, uh, South Dakota state. And then had, had one of their key transfers uh, be dismissed from the team. It's getting ugly at Nevada. So I don't know how much value that Nevada win has anymore. That said, USF had an opportunity to prove itself this week against UAB. UAB is 
going to be a very tough out. They're likely going to be a tournament team, or at least they're going to be in the conversation to be a tournament team. And USF had maybe its toughest game of the year on Friday night. That game went back and forth, back and forth, but the Dons were able to pull out, pull out a, a very close win. Had huge games from Masalski, had a, had big games from Bouye. You got contributions from uh, Stefanini. You got contributions from Kunin. They they came out with that two point win and really kind of had had it have it from everywhere. I say Josh Kunin. It was actually uh, Rich Wayne with the with ten points coming off the bench for for the Dons. Uh, this for them this wasn't like one of their better shooting nights at forty five percent, but they were able to hold on to hold on in that one. Again, I'm not ready to kind of annoy USF quite yet. I think they've played very well. I think they have lived up to the status of what we have seen thus far. And I don't know what it's going to take for me to think that they, that they are a serious contender for the league. Um, I think they have played very well. I think they're a very good team. But they may not, the best team they may see is going to be in conference. Because, yeah, they do have Arizona State later on in the schedule. But Arizona State is not St. Mary's. Arizona State is not BYU. And Arizona State is not Gonzaga. So the next, the real big first test for USF likely is going to be St. Mary's on New Year's Day. And while we're on the subject of St. Mary's, let's move to them. I will admit I was a skeptic of the Gales going into this week. We hadn't really seen them really play much of anybody. They had played Bellarmine, Texas Southern, Utah, uh, Southern Utah, Prairie View A&M. None of them are over none of them are really overly impressive teams, even if Bellman also did give UCLA some problems last just last week. And then watching their offense is not not pretty at times. In fact, the watching their watching them shoot the ball can be can be painful. But I think what we did not focus on enough, what we did not think too much into or did not or did not actually really highlight enough was the defense. And that's, I think, the one thing that carried well as they went into the Maui. It was St. Mary's first time in the Maui Invitational and they went in and forced their will upon Notre Dame. They forced Oregon to slow it down. They forced Wisconsin to slow it down. Now, Wisconsin already plays that speed, so maybe that wasn't as, as mon- monumental a, an accomplishment. But this, but this St. Mary's defense did not allow any more than 61 points the whole week against three very good teams from three different power conferences 
And I think that what we saw, what the Gales did was remind everybody that they are still one of the teams that has to be mentioned in the conversation at the top of the league. Myself included started to look at USF and Santa Clara and was like, Ooh, these teams are finally going to actually do something this year and everything else. And because St. Mary's had not yet played anybody of note, they were kind of falling into, into the shadows and you were starting to kind of like forget how good this team can be. And they reminded everybody that they are still one of the better teams in the country that Randy Bennett can impose his will on any team to force them to play his style of basketball. This is one of the better defensive teams in the country. And again, like the, the WCC has really done the top of the league has really been hanging its success, early success on the defense. St. Mary's is, and this is going to sound strange. Their adjusted defensive number is 17th in the nation. 17th. When you think of a St. Mary's team, you don't typically think of their defense. You think of the, the high-powered offenses that they've had in years past, whether that be with like the Matthew Delavadovas or the Jock Landales, the Calvin Hermansons, Emmett Nars, Joe Rahon, Patty Mills, whatnot. But the, the last three years, these iterations of the Gales have been focused on defense. And you can almost see why that happened. And, and you have to go back to 2019 and, and how the strategy of St. Mary's changed after they lost to Gonzaga in their first regular season game. This was a team that got, got embarrassed up in Spokane, got embarrassed in Moraga, but it got a little bit better the second time around. Not much, but it got better. And they figured out what you have to do to Gonzaga, or at least the best way to try to beat Gonzaga was to disrupt what they do and make them uncomfortable. And was playing good defense. And that's what we've seen from St. Mary's ever since. That's how St. Mary's has played so well in, in games against tougher teams in 19. That's how they did it in 20. It's how they did it. And that's how they've done it so far this season. They for they force teams to play low scoring games. They have guys on the roster who are interchangeable from position to position. And they're all long, long defenders who know how to move their feet. And they're not afraid to get in there and actually, and play tough defense. And obviously like that's always been kind of a staple of like the Aussies and, and uh, the, the New Zealand international um, players that St. Mary's has had over the years, like these are tough, 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 tough players, tough, tough student athletes. Obviously, it helps when all of them probably played rugby from the time they were five. But just take a look at even some of the other numbers, like St. Mary's is 
is allowing teams to only shoot 41% from the field, 30% from three. And they're not alone in the, in that sort of early success. And I mentioned that St. Mary's is 17th in adjusted defense. Well, BYU is 33, USF is 37, and Gonzaga is eight. Gonzaga's Gonzaga's uh, opponent shooting percentage is 38%. USF is at 40%. BYU is also at 38%. All four of these teams have played defense incredibly well early on. It's how they've had their early success. Gonzaga's defense is, it looks as good as they were a year ago. They, They look different this year defensively and you can yeah you can point to chet holmgren as being a huge part of that uh, with his rim protection but also how athletic they are at at everywhere else julian strother has been a big part of that nebhart has been a big part of that receiver bolton has been a big part of that anton watson has also been a big part of that and BYU maybe has been the other surprise on the defensive end because I think we've, again, kind of like St. Mary's, like BYU has always been kind of known as this offensive juggernaut from go from the years of Jimmer Fredette to Tyler Hawes to uh, TJ Hawes. And this BYU team, this iteration of BYU, really ever since Mark Pope has taken over as head coach has had a far more defensive minded style and their physical play, the way they've shoved around Oregon, the way they've shoved around Utah shows already early on again, the way they played against San Diego state, that this is a team that can grind with anybody. And it shows on that defensive end and USF, I think it, has shown the same thing largely because of what they've changed on the front line, the additions of Tape, the, the addition of uh, Zane Meeks, the, the addition of Masalski. They've added frontline guys who are going to help them clear the board so that you, they do not give up second and third ch- uh, chance opportunities to teams. They were already good at the guard positions with Bouye and Shabazz on the defensive end. Like those two were some of the leaders in the conference in steals every year. Now you've added a front line that can actually hold its own. So one, two, three, four at the top of this conference is starting to become clearer and clearer. Obviously we knew who the top, what we do one and two St. Mary's has reestablished itself in being in that, in that group and USF, the way they have played so far, is also sh- showing that they belong to be with the, in that conversation. All right, so let's take a look at what happened to Santa Clara, because Santa Clara's had an interesting week. Santa Clara played one of the best games I think I've seen the Broncos play in a very long time against TCU. They moved the ball well. 
They shot the ball well. They dominated TCU from the tip. They shot 61% from the field. Jalen Williams played really well. PJ Pipes played well. Jordan Williams played well. They have they were so balanced against that team without the the services of Rankich, who's out with mono. That it really, I think, piqued a lot of people and were in the saying, okay, Santa Clara is for real. This team is actually going to be in the conversation with with the St. Mary's, the BYU's, and every in the USF's and everybody else. Then you fast forward two nights and see the way they played against Fresno State, which is, was their first loss of the year. Then you fast forward to the weekend and they drop a game to UC Irvine. And one of the biggest changes that I saw was how the ball stopped the moving. That one of the big successes that they had had early on was their ability to share the ball and move the basketball because you never knew who it was going to be. And in the last couple of games, we've seen a lot more one-on-one play from the Broncos, a lot more reliance upon Jalen Williams to just bail them out of situations. And that is not something that has suited them well so far. In the first five games of the year, they had no fewer than 15 assists. And in the loss to, to Fresno State, they only had nine assists. And then in the loss to, uh, loss to Irvine, they only had 14. And, and it should come as no surprise that also in those two games saw their two lowest field goal percentage totals at 36 and 42%. I think it's also showing that Santa Clara still has a ways to go. Yes, I think part of that is that they're missing Frankich, and when he comes back, I think that will be a big boost to what Santa Clara is going to be able to do. But in the meantime, they have to try to weather the storm before conference play because their 5-0 and start can disappear very quickly. And with some of the teams that are playing, teams they really should beat because both of these games, Fresno State and uh, Irvine, were close games. They need to make sure that they're still in a position by the time conference play begins to have a shot at either that that NIT bid or maybe like and maybe at this stage with those two losses, an NCAA hope is now further and further away. But for that but for that to be even a conversation piece, they need to turn it around a little bit more uh, at, before we get to conference play in December. With these top four teams in the conference, I think the one thing that has started to come out, and I've seen a, a lot of the, the hashtags and everything else, forbid WCC, even I threw out right uh, before Santa Clara lost of like the idea of like a five-bid WCC of what that potentially would look like. I think with the two losses, I think we're looking at four bid is obviously the far is a far more realistic scenario than a five bid league. And what would that have to look like? What would, what would teams have to do? So, I mean, I'm going to already, I'm going to slot in Gonzaga slot in BYU. I don't think there's much that 
either of them will have to do outside of winning the games they're supposed to win to get into the tournament. I think the two question marks of four is St. Mary's and then USF. Even though actually I could point out that right now, BYU's best wins, St. Mary's could actually end up matching. They both beat in Oregon. And the win over Utah, you can actually say that like the Notre Dame win is actually a better win than that one. Actually, if there's a comparable one, is Notre Dame's a little bit more comparable to the San Diego State game. And St. Mary's doesn't yet have the comp win to Utah, which could actually be accomplished this week by either Utah State or Colorado State. But then St. Mary's also plays San Diego State in just a couple of weeks. So really, if we're going off straight matchups of who they have played, St. Mary's could actually end up with the same wins with even more opportunity to actually get better games. So I think it'll be, I, but I think there's just far more confidence that BYU is good. will have won those games and actually follow through. And St. Mary's is still has a little bit more of not necessarily an uphill climb, but has work left to do to solidify that third spot. But if they get the, but if they get say like two of the three of the Colorado state, Utah state, San Diego state games, I think they're set so long as that they don't end up losing to the likes of say San Diego or Portland once we get to the conference play. So that leaves USF. What happens to USF? How does USF make it a four bid league? Cause they don't really have many opportunities left on the schedule on the out of conference schedule. I think they need to beat Arizona state. I think that's a, that's a must. They can't slip against anybody else. And I don't know if necessarily that means that they have to go undefeated before conference play. But that would be helpful. They're 8-0 already. And 14-0 before conference play sounds incredibly ambitious because obviously as each game goes, that pressure is going to rise. But considering the games left on their schedule, I think this team is capable of doing it. But now what about conference play? What does USF have to do in conference play to assure themselves an at-large bid? The easy things I, I can think of is don't lose to Portland, don't lose to Pacific, Don't lose to San Diego. Don't lose to Pepperdine. And I think after that, you, they can be afforded a loss here or there. Cause I don't think they're going to beat Gonzaga. Just wipe those off. I think they can beat BYU. I think they can beat St. Mary's. I think they can beat Santa Clara and LMU. but I don't think they can take too many losses from that group. In my mind, if they were to finish 10 and six in conference, 
wherever that is in the standings, 10 and six. With the 14 and 0 that we have for the preseason, sitting at 24 and six should be enough, well enough for USF to actually earn an at large bid without without there being much conversation. And yeah, large part of that is then who else is on the, on the bubble, who else is in the conversation, whatnot. But I think if you're 24 and six, you're feeling very comfortable about their situation based on the teams they've beaten and who they haven't lost to. Because with their schedule, I think who their bad losses are going to be what comes into play. And so far, so good. But we're also in, we're also not even into December yet. So there's a long way to go, long way before we can start to say, hey, it's like, is this going to be a tournament team? But if they were, if this is going to be a four bid league, I think that's how USF has to do it. LMU's also kind of had these, this same scenario with having a very interesting week. LMU went out on Monday night after getting thrashed by Florida State and beat SMU, a very good SMU team. And LMU had to come back from behind late and were able to come away with a really impressive victory. Then we fast forward to over the weekend where they played Prairie View A&M, which a a few conference teams have already seen as well. And they pull out a very tight win against Prairie View in a game that probably shouldn't have been that close. And I think this is what we've seen from LMU thus far. It's like it's been a little Jekyll and Hyde from game to game. Joe Quintana has been good like all season long, but there have been games where we haven't seen much from Eli Scott. There have been games we haven't seen much from from other pieces on that team that really that really need to step up and actually give LMU consistent play. And obviously the other problem early on had been that LMU was still struggling uh, taking care of the basketball. Now it could just be LMU playing slow out the gate and that they're going to get better as the season goes along. But they do have two games this week that they that should be very winnable for them. They need to knock these down as we get closer to conference. Uh, the Grand Canyon tonight, actually, and then they'll end up playing uh, Long Beach State over the weekend. Two games that they should have. Grand Canyon might be the little bit of a tough, little bit of the tougher game for for LMU. But again, these both should be wins for the Lions. I, and talking about some of the teams in the conference, I think I'd be remiss this week to not talk about Portland. Portland is seven and two, and they've climbed out of the of the three hundreds in Ken Palm and are now sitting at two ninety one. I think it's been mildly impressive to see what Portland has been able to do thus far. Yes, they haven't played anybody of significance. Most of the teams they've played have also been sub-300 teams. But someone has to win those games, and Portland has been doing it. 
They've been getting really good performances from Moses Wood, Chris Austin, Mike Meadows. Uh, Tyler Robertson missed the first couple games, but now since he's been back, he le- he's leading the team in scoring and rebounding. They're playing with a little bit of con, and I think the thing is, it's they're clearly playing with confidence, and that is something that we haven't seen from a Portland team in some time. Clearly, something's moving in the right direction. Obviously, I'm not going to say like, oh, Portland's going to win X number of games for conference. There's still a long way to go for that. And the rest of the conference teams have also stepped up their games as well. But Portland is is starting to, to no longer look the part of the doormat of the conference. And that will take some time. That will take them doing something once we get um, into conference play. But I don't think it's an as automatic a W as it had been the last few years. And heading into this week, maybe the biggest week again, and almost back-to-back weeks, I'm going to be saying this, it's St. Mary's. St. Mary's has the, the biggest week this week. They have three games, and they have one big road trip coming up. The two-game road trip where they will head out to Utah to take on Utah State. And then two nights later, they'll be in Colorado to take on Colorado State. Utah State and Colorado State are going to be two very good games for St. Mary's in the early going. And these are also games that I think is another chance for St. Mary's to prove. Not prove, but like another resume adding pieces for them. Neither of these games would necessarily be a bad loss because these are both the both these teams are very good. Utah State does have a very curious loss recently, uh, having lost to Davis. But Utah State has played well otherwise. Colorado State has played well otherwise. For St. Mary's, I think it's it still comes down to their defense. Like what we saw during the Maui, I think proves that St. Mary's will be able to play with anybody largely because of that, the way they play defense. If they can slow Utah state down, slow Colorado state down and make them play at their pace, St. Mary's will be able, should be able to control, control these games. I will say though, that they need someone else other than Dan Foto to come through offensively during the Maui Foto uh, had 22 in the opener, 16 in the second game against Oregon And he has been the leading scorer throughout the course of the season. But the leading score should not be coming off the bench. So they need somebody in that starting lineup to really start to pick up the pace, whether that be Dukas or Bowen or Logan Johnson. They need somebody other than just Votu to start to step up. And then maybe the biggest single game of the week, marquee game of the week, is definitely Gonzaga 
playing host, I'll say playing host because it's still within their home state against Alabama. And this game is going to be played in Seattle. Alabama is, is an, another top 15 team. They're, they're a lock for the NCAA tournament. Like they're going to be there. And Gonzaga has done a very good job playing defense against these teams. Yes, they picked up their first loss against Duke the other night. But it wasn't like Gonzaga really, really had that game get away from them. Gonzaga committed 17 turnovers in that game. And yeah, you can say that Gonzaga has been a little careless with the ball. But then Duke also took 25 free throws in that game and made 15, which which I think was another, was another big component of that one. So those are just going to be two things I think that Gonzaga needs to clean up before they see Alabama. But again, I, I have full confidence that Gonzaga will be able to figure that part out before they see the Razorbacks on Saturday. But overall, it's actually a pretty ho-hum week for uh, conference teams. Yeah, St. Mary's has, has a little bit of a heavier slate. Gonzaga has Alabama. But then after that, it's it's a lot of games that conference teams should be able to handle or um, good opportunities for some of the lower half of the league. You have, you have games like Pepperdine at Santa Barbara. You have UNLV going to be at USF. Santa Clara plays host to Louisiana Tech, which should be a good rebound game for them, albeit not against an easy opponent. La Tech is going to be is going to push the Broncos. San Diego at Fresno State is going to be an interesting matchup as well. Fresno State play, played very good defense against Santa Clara, and that's going to be something that San Diego is going to have to uh, contend with. And for the for the Toreros, it's going to be important that they keep Orlando Robertson in check. Robinson in check. He had 22 against Santa Clara the other night and is going to cause some problems for San Diego. So Terrell Brown, that'll be kind of like his his key matchup going into to that game. All right, well that'll wrap, wrap it up for this week on the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Be sure to. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Post by Zach. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service. I'm Zach Farmer, and I will catch you next time.